This morning's reading comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to HT. My name is Yana Browning and I'm one of the pastors on our team here. Um, a special welcome if you're new or visiting us this morning, as it were, it is so good um, to have you. We are starting a new sermon series today, just a mini one, three weeks, called In This Season. I wonder if you were in the unfortunate position um, that many were in at the start of lockdown when in the rush to get home or wherever it might have been and in the conviction that lockdown would be a short-lived affair, lots of people ended up separated from their wardrobes. I've got friends who grabbed a week's worth of clothes that then they had to make work for four, five, six months. Maybe you packed for March, but not for August. Um, now, in the mild British climate, um, in which we are so blessed, not packing well usually only results in mild discomfort. Um, but of course, there are some climates in the world where if you don't pack smart, you're going to be in some serious trouble. You've got to think ahead, take some advice, um, and pack smart to save yourself a great deal of unnecessary pain. And in this mini-series that we're calling In This Season, we're making sure to pack smart, as it were, for the season we find ourselves in, both as individuals, but together as a church family as well. And this season of coronavirus with shifting lockdown rules and so much uncertainty in lots of areas of life, this is the season that we're in and we want to look at it face on um, and pack smart. Um, and so we've got three things to pack or to focus on in this season. Next week, Stuart is going to be talking about prayer. And the week after that, Ollie's going to be talking about hospitality and welcome. And today we're starting with our first thing to pack, um, as it were, the first thing to focus on in this season. And that is to hold on to one another. To hold on to one another, the church family. Um, as our passage that Jenny read for us says so well, so directly, um, let us not uh, give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us make sure we go into this season with one another in tow. Uh, I think for many of us, the last six months of online church has been a bittersweet thing. Um, at once encouraging, you see faces that you love and recognize, and also deeply frustrating at the same time. And when we look ahead at the season um, in front of us, church as we knew it before coronavirus is still far off. And um, there are many things we can do, but it will still be bittersweet. It will be a mix of the precious and the deeply annoying for a little while longer. But we have here an opportunity to see and understand the church with fresh eyes. 
we can't take it for granted anymore. So we have to do it in different formats, as we do it in different formats, right? Online or under a mask or on Zoom. Um, it's an opportunity to grab hold of the idea of the point of church again and choose it again. Jesus gave us a command um, to love one another. He called it a new command. He said, love one another as I have loved you. What does that mean now? What does that look like now with Zoom in the picture and, uh, and YouTube and masks? How do we love one another? Hold on to one another. Be church together now. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. I'm going to be really practical. Um, I'm going to use our passage in Hebrews um, and a few others. Uh, and we're going to um, we're going to look at what it means to love one another. Um, we're going to have love in five acts. Um, love in five acts. But as we dive in, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that has power today and we pray that you would um, come and meet us this morning as we look at it together. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that you'd fill me as I speak and all of us as we listen. Come Father and meet with us we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, are you ready? We have love in five acts. So, act one, uh, showing up is an act of love. Showing up is an act of love. Now, in normal times, if you can rewind six months or so or more, um, many people, plenty of Christians included, vaguely thought of the church as a bit like the gym. So some people love the gym. Some people really do not love the gym. Um, but you don't really, it doesn't really matter too much because you don't need the gym to exercise, right? Uh, you can exercise on your own if you prefer that, each to their own. The important thing is that you exercise. And lots of people had kind of thought about the church in that same way, right? Some people really love the church. Some people really, really don't like the church, but it doesn't matter too much. You don't need the church to be a Christian, um, just each to their own, whatever works for you. And that sounds like it might be sensible. Each to their own is a bit of an anthem of our age, after all. But actually, this way of understanding the church and thinking of it like the gym is back to front. And, and actually, it's uh, directly opposite to what Jesus taught. You see, if I go to the gym, um, and, I, and I don't, um, <laughs> but if I were to go to the gym or not, if I choose not to go to the gym, it doesn't impact anybody else's ability to exercise. It makes no difference to anyone else. I don't need anyone to exercise. Nobody needs me to exercise. In other words, I'm an independent agent, right? And if I think of the church in the same way, I'm assuming I'm an independent agent there too. No one needs me at church and I don't need anyone else. And while Jesus did teach that we each stand before God on our own two feet, that we are each individually accountable to God, he also talked about how we are one, how we're united. And one of the main ways that the church is described in the New Testament is as one body. In Jesus and by the Holy Spirit, we become one body. We are not lots of independent bodies going in and out of the gym. We are one body. 
my left foot can't go for a run and my right foot can't decide to go uh, on the rowing machine by itself, right? <laughs> Each part of the body needs the whole body to exercise. And that means that the church needs us. It's not just a question of whether the church does me good or whether if I go to church, I feel closer to Jesus. Showing up at church isn't just about me, it's about us. Showing up is a sign that I own my place in this family, that this is more than about me. This is about us following Jesus together. This is my family. This is my body. I am here for us. Showing up is an act of love for one another. And when we make the effort, and sometimes it is a painful effort, sometimes it is costly, to make the effort to, to show up, to be there, at our small group, even though it's on Zoom again, um, it is an act of love. Our presence, even if it's virtual, and even if it only shows up as one number on those YouTube views, our presence with the family is an act of love. Showing up is an act of love. We don't just do it for our own sake, but we do it for the sake of the family. Act two. Everybody. Act two, engaging is an act of love. Um, if showing up is an act of love, so is engaging once you're there. And engaging in online church takes more effort than normal. We have all felt that. You have to decide to worship. You have to kind of will yourself um, to take a different position on the sofa. If you come to HT on site, which we're starting to do from next week, when we're in the building but wearing masks, and not able to sing, we're gonna to have to figure out yet again how to engage with worship. But engaging is also an act of love. And when we engage, um, we put ourselves out there and join in what is being led. If that's worship, right? Um, <laughs> that, might, that might mean warbling along to online worship songs by yourself at home. That is an act of love for one another, just as it is for the Father. I know it feels so odd. It feels so odd. Um, even if you're watching at 10.30 and you know there's lots of other people watching at the same time, it is just not the same as worshiping together. It's just so far from that. No one else can see us. No one else can hear us. But singing along, even by yourself, it still matters. It is still valuable. Not just because the Father loves every act of worship that we bring him. No matter how awkward or pitiful, he hears it all, he sees it all, it is precious to him. But it does also bless the church. In the wonderful economy of the kingdom, somehow our worship in our own individual homes does count for something. It does bless one another. And this isn't just wishful thinking or kind of vague community force for good. God gives us the Holy Spirit to unite us in one body as we worship. Worshiping does build one another up. Engaging is an act of love. Act three, right? Act three, spurring one another on is an act of love. Spurring one another is an act of love. If we are one body, it's not just true that the body needs us, but also that we as individuals need the body. Let's look back at our passage in Hebrews briefly. They're told um, not to give up meeting together, it says, but let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love 
and good deeds. Spur means to urge, to goad, um, even to provoke into action. Spurring is what your spin teacher does at the front of class or your coach does on the sideline, right? Um, urging you, maybe even shouting at you a little bit to get you over the line and to push you to do more than you thought you could do. That's spurring. Spurring is what your friend does when they say, oh, did you say that you were going to go for a run today? Did you go? That is spurring. We need spurring. We need spurring to exercise. We need spurring to eat well. We might need spurring to clean the house. Maybe in different areas of life, we need spurring. But every last one of us needs spurring when it comes to our faith. There are no exceptions. We need someone at the right moment to say, did you say that you were going to try to pray every day this week. How's it going? Did you say that you were going to make home group a priority? How's it going? And um, spurring or being spurred, being on the receiving end of a spur can be annoying. It really, it really only works if you have given permission to be spurred, right? If you have signed up for it. Some people are allowed to spur me when it comes to exercise and some people are not. You have to give permission to be spurred. Who spurs your faith? Who have you given permission to spur you? You see, sometimes we come to church, um, we listen to a sermon, but we haven't really given permission to be spurred. We're sitting there with our spiritual arms crossed, as it were. And we haven't really given permission. But friends, this is one of the things that we do together, that we're urged to do in scripture. This is why we open the Bible together every week on Sundays and in small groups and home groups and risky groups. And we will keep opening the Bible together now as much as ever, if not more. But friends, if you haven't in your heart of hearts, given the church family permission to spur you, you will find church irritating. You will find sermons irksome. You might find this sermon irksome. Who in your life have you given permission to spur you? When you and I come to Jesus, when we acknowledge his right to direct and to lead our lives, to make calls in our lives, we give him permission to direct us. And even though this might deeply frustrate us, if we give Jesus that right, we must also give his family that same right, the right to speak into our lives on Jesus' behalf. This is the way that Jesus set it up. We give the family permission to remind us, to spur us according to what Jesus directs. You might be really touchy about other Christians having an input on your behavior or your decisions, and you might have a very good reason for that. But church will never make sense unless we understand what it means to spur one another and unless we sign up for that. Spurring one another is an act of love. That's our third act. Act four, um, encouraging one another is an act of love. Again, it's in here. It's another thing they're told to do in our passage. Um, do not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. We're supposed to speak life and joy and well done over each other, to celebrate good things, 
together. Spurring each other is like the coach and encouraging one another is like the cheerleader, except less cheesy. Now, as I understand it, having observed this from the outside, most church leaders, vicars or whatever you call them, um, senior leaders, whatever, they have at least one sermon up their sleeves in case of emergencies. Now, I don't know if you personally have ever had a sermon emergency, but my understanding is it goes something like this. You've got a service starting in 20 minutes, get a phone call from your guest speaker who says, I'm so sorry, I've just come down with a horrendous bug and I won't be able to make it. And you have 20 minutes to produce a sermon. And if you're worth your salt, you will have one stashed up your sleeve for such a time as this. And, um, and Rupert, who was our vicar for 17 years and has just moved on to London, his backup sermon, his emergency sermon, was on Barnabas. Um, Barnabas, that great church leader in Acts, who was so encouraging, so encouraging, he earned the nickname the Son of Encouragement, which, as nicknames go, I think is a little weak, but <laughs> clearly that was his strong suit. And uh, if anything looked like it was going a bit shaky, Rupert would say, oh, do I need to go get Barnabas? Um, that was an inspired choice as an emergency sermon. Why? Um, because there is never a bad time to encourage people. It really is a word for all times, all seasons, all ages, all stages. Encourage, 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 encourage. It is one of the core things we do together as a family. We encourage one another with our presence. That's why we talked about showing up. But we also encourage one another with our words, by what we say. We don't just think encouraging thoughts at each other. Um, and hope that each other pick up intuitively. You might find someone really encouraging, but you assume they already know it. Or um, that if you just send them encouraging thoughts, that will do the same trick. But alas, friends, <laughs> some things need saying. Let me give you a silly example. When I was a girl, I didn't understand the point behind flowers, like as a present. Um, I just thought they were silly and pointless. And if you wanted to spend money so that something could die on your kitchen table, then knock yourself out. But they absolutely didn't care for them at all. And then at some point, at some point as I grew up, I'm not quite sure when or where this happened, I, I, I changed my mind about flowers. Um, and then when Stu and I started dating, it slowly dawned on me that Stu did not know my feelings about flowers. And in fact, um, coming as he did from a family of pragmatists, he wasn't going to think of buying me flowers. He wrote me amazing letters, but not a flower in sight. And um, try as I might to send him thoughts about how I wanted him to buy me flowers, um, I, I eventually realized I would just have to tell him. So I did. I just said, hey, Stu, um, just, you know, in, in case you're wondering, I, I would like fall over with happiness if you bought me flowers. And he was like, oh, really? Okay, great. And the next day, he was at my doorstep with flowers. Some things just need saying. Encouragement is like that. It needs saying. It does so much more good when it's said. Is there someone in your small group, in your home group, um, or in your risky group, whose sense of humor you just really enjoy? It cheers you up. You tell them. It feels a bit embarrassing, but it's like, I just want you to know, I find your sense of humour. Um, it just cheers me up. Thank you so much. Is there someone in your small group who 
when they talk about the Bible, it gets you excited about the Bible again as well. When they talk about prayer, it makes you want to go and pray. Think about saying to them, I know this is slightly, you know, slightly an odd thing to say, but when you talk about prayer, it makes me want to pray. Thank you for that. Some encouragements need saying. And I want to say, uh, family of HT, you are so good at this. Uh, there is so much encouragement in this family. Maybe that's a result of having Barnabas as your emergency sermon for 17 years, but I am not about to complain. We have had so many encouragements over the last six months. Um, and even though we are getting tired of doing church online and we are getting tired of Zoom, now is not the time to let up on encouragement. Now is the time to double down and double up the encouragements. Encouraging is our fourth act of love. And before we move on to our fifth and final um, act, I just want us to spot, because I love this, that in our passage here, we have these two things, spurring and encouraging, happening together in balance. And I, I think this is amazing, because you know, some churches... Some churches really go in for the spurring, right? They will just spur and spur and spur. It's all about pushing people, perhaps even irritating people into being better. And some churches go heavy in for the encouragement and it's nothing but endless cheerleading, even if people are merrily going in the wrong direction. But here we see that the church, that you and I, we need both. We need both together to grow and thrive. Spurring and encouraging. Uh, and finally, act five of our love in five acts. Now, I have bent the rules slightly um, in act five, but, you know, I think it's within my power. Um, so, act five, loving one another is an act of love for Jesus. Loving one another is an act of love for Jesus. There are plenty of people who love the idea of Jesus. They find him compelling but they recoil from the church, and not without reason, it must be said. But there are many who would love to come to Jesus and reject the church. And while that is very understandable, it so saddens Jesus, it breaks his heart. He loves the church. He gave himself up for the church. The church is messy and broken and the source of pain sometimes. But Jesus has always been committed to the church, and he always will be. He is not going to give up on it. In every season, he is leading it, he's teaching it new things, he's perfecting it, and he will make it perfect in the end. And to love one another through thick and thin, through Zoom and face masks, to love one another is an act of love for Jesus. It is to love what he loves. It is a way to show Jesus that we believe him and his plan, that we trust his strategy. Plenty of people think that the church is an outdated strategy, and perhaps some strategies within the church might be outdated. But friends, if you read the end of this book, when we look and read the end of the book, every other organization and every other institution will pass away. Only the church will last forever, not because of us, but because of him. The church will outlast all political parties, 
all ideological movements, even all football clubs. It will outlast Amazon, Apple, Google, and whatever giants replace them. It will outlast every nation that exists on the earth today and every nation that will come after them. And at the end of the turmoil of history, nothing will be standing except for the church. Jesus said to Peter when he commissioned him to lead the church on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What we have, friends, family, cannot be taken from us, nor will it ever be. We are one body in a way that no lockdown can change. It is hard now, yes, but it is not impossible. The church has outlasted pandemics before, and it will outlast this one. Let us not give up meeting together, even though Zoom is a colossal pain. Let us not give up meeting together, even though singing at a computer screen is embarrassing. Jesus loves us. He is with us and committed to us. Let's go into this season loving one another, showing up, engaging, spurring, and encouraging one another. All for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let me pray for us as I finish. Father God, we thank you so much for your commitment to us. We thank you so much for putting us into a family. We thank you that by your spirit you've made us one and that no lockdown can undo that. And we pray that you would fill us with your spirit this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would give us a fresh energy and conviction about your church family. Teach us how to walk through this season together. And we pray, Lord Jesus, um, that in this season you would protect and build and strengthen us as one body. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.